1, but then we're going to spend most of our time in Isaiah, <clears throat> starting in chapter 29. Um, I, I will tell you that I wrote this message while we were on vacation also, but I didn't write this one while I was in church. I, 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 I didn't write it on the boat either. I, I, uh, I actually got it from my devotions one morning, just sitting there reading my devotions and you know, jotting down notes, and as I do, as I prepare to do a devotional every every morning, and I didn't do those on Facebook while we were gone, but still wrote a lot of notes down, and, and I wrote it down, and I'm like, wow, you know, okay, Lord, you're obviously giving me a, a message here that we need to share, and, and so that's, that's how this one um, developed, and I, I titled it The Depths of Deception. And Richard just said it, that, that the devil is keen at being a deceiver. And it tells us in uh, John chapter 10, it says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. And that is exactly what Satan tries to do. And uh, he's going to try to sit on your shoulder and do his best to deceive you and and to um, bring you to a point in your life where uh, you are not going to be obviously doing the things that, that God would have you to do. And, you know, we had this discussion a little bit uh, I did with some people after church this morning. We are just having a discussion, but Thane is uh, in our Connections class going over discipleship. And the question was asked, do you think, can someone be saved and not be a disciple of Christ? And I do believe you can. I, I, I believe that, that a person can know Christ as their Savior, but are, are not following Him as they should. Honestly, how many of us here are 100% solid, doing everything we know that, that we're supposed to be doing and no problems in our lives? Yeah, you'd be lying, right? And so, but but I think that there are those that that are that that know Christ as their Savior, and whether it be lack of teaching, whether it I, I don't know, just the 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 carnal mindset of the world, or just being deceived by by the devil. That I do believe that we have many believers who are sitting on the bench when it comes to discipleship. And it is hard. I, I, I agree with that. It, it's uh, not, not an easy task, and, and God never said that, that uh, the, the task itself is going to be easy. The, the life is not going to be easy. His burdens are light, and uh, his yoke is easy, and, and we follow him, but we're following him through the devil's world, and so there's some real challenges. So the, the thing that came to my mind then as I was uh, reading these things is the, the importance of being true to ourselves and, and not, not deceiving ourselves. I, I was watching a message on YouTube, and I don't recommend too many guys on TV, all right? But this guy's dead, and he proved himself to be faithful. But Adrian Rogers, if you want to listen to a good preacher, listen to Adrian Rogers. I don't agree with everything he did. Don't agree with everything that 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 he was, but that's just we're we're all that way, 
and uh, he did what he thought was right and fine with that. He's great. He was a great preacher. And I was listening to a message the other day on uh, dealing with depression. And he was using Psalm 42, I believe it was. And, and there's a point right there where he made the statement that, that there needs to come a time in your life at times where you, you need to talk to your soul. That's the, the, that's the mind, body, and will of every one of us. That's who we are, okay? The spirit is the recognition of God and, and, and the, the spiritual side of things and, and that, but the soul is the mind, body, and will of, of every one of us. It's, it's who we are way down deep, the very uh, base of our emotions and, and everything that we are. And there are times where you just need to take your soul and have a conversation with your soul, and why, why are you doing this, or why are you not doing this, or why do you have this depression, or why do you have this anxiety, or why is it that, that you cannot defeat this addiction, why is it that you cannot, uh, you know, just do the things that you're supposed to do, and it was just a great thought, and, and was such a help to me, and and David had that very thought there in Psalms, and, and uh, it, it just helped me to realize the importance that we, we need to be real, we need to be transparent, first and foremost with God and with ourselves. We need to understand our weaknesses. We need to understand that we sin. We need to understand that that we're more prone to certain things in our lives that will cause us to stumble than maybe somebody else is. I have weaknesses that Nelson doesn't have. I, uh, you know, Kinsey has weaknesses that uh, uh, Paula doesn't have. I, I mean, we're, we're all different, but we need to realize there are things in our lives that, that we struggle with, and, and we need to admit that. We need to admit it to God. We need to admit it to, to, to those that we're hurting with that, and and, and our faith is one that is of a transparency with God. And David wrote this in Psalm, uh, uh, Psalm 51. If, you're, if you aren't there, turn to, to uh, Psalm 51 and verse 17. This is what he said. He said, the sacrifices of God. Let's think about what, what's a sacrifice. That means it's a volition of will. It's a, a volition of activity. You are doing something right you you are making a sacrifice you are and, and a sacrifice was an act of worship okay and so we we, we I, I don't know why and, and I catch myself saying this too that many times we have to sacrifice things of the world to serve God that's just not right how is it ever a sacrifice to do something for God really I, I, I mean the 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 world should never compete with our service and our worship of God, okay? It's all a mindset. We, we need to change some ways in our thinking. But, but here, we, we think that, so a sacrifice, we need to make some act, action to do something for God. Okay, so we want to do something to please God. Well, what is it that we need to do? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. It's a spirit of brokenness. It's a spirit of understanding that the spiritual side of us, we need to understand that we are absolutely nothing without God. You know, we want to talk about self-esteem, 
Well, self-esteem, our self-esteem ought to come from the relationship and the fellowship that we have with our Savior. And, and through that, then we can have confidence to say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There's nothing that I can't do that God wants me to do. There is nothing that I can't do. That's what God wants me to do. And, and we can be and have self-esteem in knowing that we are a child of God and that, that he can use us. But in that, too, we need to have a broken spirit where we say, God, I can't do this without you. I, I, I am broken, and my spirit is broken, and, and I do not want to take the reins again. I do not want to take the wheel again. I, I don't want to be the one that is in charge of my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. Well, that's what he's talking about. It's a sacrifice to have a broken spirit and, and to say, not my will be done, but thine. And that's difficult, isn't it? When Jesus said that, he knew that he was soon to die on the cross. And so here we need to learn to do the same thing. And, and whether it's that old man that we talked about this morning that wants to rise up, that old man needs to be put back in the grave where he was at and keep him there and, and have a broken spirit and, and leave that there and, and follow God, but also a broken and a contrite heart. There's your soul. There's your mind, your body, and your, your will. And all of that also needs to be broken. And, and we need to come to the point where, where we are a servant of God and we will do whatever He calls us to do and we will wade through whatever muck it is that, that He wants us to wade through and, and whatever, the, whatever the circumstances are and, and, and whatever situations He puts us in, we're His. And, and we are broken to the point where we give that all to him. And, and we need to follow him. And, and that contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. God will never regard that with contempt. God will never look down on that and scoff at you or laugh at you. But it is then that God's grace, you will find that you will be in a realm in your life that you've never been in before when when we can truly say that we have a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And contrite means crushed. I mean, you're, you're completely crushed. Your, your heart, your, your soul, your mind, your will, you, you, you do not want to do anything other than God's will in your life. That's where we need to get to, and that's where we need to stay. That's the battle, isn't it? That old man likes to come up and... And, and, and not only does the old man like to come up, our sin nature wants to rise up and, and get fed, but we also know that there are the voices of the world that are mainly controlled by the devil himself who is trying to tempt you and coerce you or deceive you. And, and he's very good at that. And he does that and he wants to do that in our lives. Well, that, that depth of deception that, that uh, I'm talking about in the title of this, is it, it, he shows us this in Isaiah. And, and so we have some points that uh, we're, we're going to see three characteristics of, of understanding and realizing that you are being deceived. 
And I do believe that the devil can deceive believers. If we're not walking where we ought to be, we can be easily deceived. And so we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit constantly. But I do believe, and I, I think this will help us to understand that, that this is the barometer. This is the thermometer that, you know, a barometer telling us whether a storm is coming or not. It's also a thermometer telling us whether we are getting sick or not. These are some telltale signs that, that we are being deceived and, and we need to get these things out of our lives. So in Isaiah 29 and verse 13, we see the first one is that you will have a hypocritical faith. It'll be a show, but there won't be anything to it. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. And so here they, they make a show of their worship, and they are worshiping God with their mouth, and they are saying all of the right things, as it says here, and, and, and their lips are honoring Him, and, and they're, they're doing those things, and they're, they're coming to church on Sunday. They, they might be coming to church on Sunday night, Wednesday night, helping in Quam. They, they, they have the show, but, but down deep in your life, you're doing this not for the reason that you ought to be doing it, you're doing this to impress others. And, and here, their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. They were more concerned about the men and their laws that they were making than, than they were concerned about God himself. And so they were concerned about the show that they need to show themselves to be something that, that they're not. You know, I had some time to reflect over these last couple of weeks and and look, pastors can get there too. Preachers can get in a pulpit and they can be preaching the word of God and be, be just a, a shadow of what they ought to be in their life. And we need to quit that. We need to be real with our soul. We need to be real with ourselves and we need to be real with God. And, and you need to be asking yourself, am I being hypocritical in my faith? I mean, he quotes this in Matthew chapter 15. He quotes it in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I mean, th this was something that was prevalent in, in, the, in the Jewish nation. Well, I can tell you it's prevalent in the Gentile nations too. And it's prevalent in our churches today. And, and we need to quit playing the game and having some hypocritical faith and, and, and where we exhibit righteous behavior publicly, but we live differently privately. You make a show of worship, but... You neglect God with your true love and devotion. You're not going to be sincere and honest in your worship when you do that. So that's one of those telltale signs. He told them to, that he said that to Judah, and he tells that to us today that one, one of these characteristics of understanding that you are in the depths of deception is that you're going to have a hypocritical faith. Secondly, turn over to Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 11. You will also display a hateful behavior. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. So, and you know what? We have it right here. It's written right here. It, it's written, the playbook for us is right here. The, the book of life that 
and, and not just the book of eternal life, but I'm talking about a, a book of life principles that we can apply and use and walk with and obey is right here in his word, and we need to take it today, and, and, and we, need to, uh, we need to be living according to this. And, and here we see that if you're not doing that, then you're going to start displaying a hateful behavior. And what does it say? That this is a rebellious people. You start rebelling against the truth of God's word. You, you, start, you, you start disbelieving what, what it is that you know is in your heart and, and you know what is the truth and you rebel against it. And you go and you do something that, that you know is wrong and, and you do this and shaking your fist at God and, and, and we find that you will be rebellious to God's word. You'll start reading God. Or, You'll get to the point where you only want to read it, but if you're reading it and you're reading it in a way of trying to justify what you're doing or you're reading it and it's making you angry about what God is saying here that, that uh, needs to be done in your life and, and it's upsetting you, then you're starting to display a hateful behavior. Not only rebellious, but lying children. You'll be deceitful. You will be deceitful to yourself. You're going to be lying to God. And you're going to be lying to those that love you. And we, we'll live this life of deceit. And you can walk along and you can think that, that you have everybody fooled, but you don't have anything on God. And God knows and God is watching and God is going to start knocking on your heart and, and, and convicting you of your sin. And, and He is, or I'm sure He is, if you're a child of God and, and you are going to be deceitful. Uh, to all of those around you, and then children that will not hear the law of the Lord. They refuse to listen, and, and, and hear has the idea of not only hearing what it says, but hearkening unto it. Hearken means to hear it and obey it. We need to not only hear it, but we need and not only know it, but we also need to apply it, Right? That's for all of us. We need to apply God's word. And, and if we're not doing that, then, then we're going to have a hateful behavior towards God. We're going to have a hateful behavior towards those that love you. And, and, and you're going to start, uh, well, you're just going to start trying to justify everything you're doing and your behavior. And you're the one that's being hateful because you're the one that truly is being deceived. And so be careful. And you're un unbiblical in your behavior, and you will grow to hate the truth. Because they say, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. They'll grow to hate the truth, and they will want you, and those around, they will surround themselves with those who do not speak the truth. And what, what is the verse, isn't there a verse in Corinthians where, or is it Galatians, where Paul says something like, you hate, do you hate me because I tell you the truth? And that's my own paraphrase, but that is what he told them. He said, do you hate me because I tell you the truth? Well, if, if you are starting to find your relationships with people that, that you know love you and, and that are born again believers and and trying to walk the way that they ought to, and, and you are starting to have a hateful behavior towards them, 
you need to stop and, first of all, stop thinking about them and wanting to blame them. And secondly, you need to start asking yourself, what is it going on in me? Look, Satan is, is very, very smart. And he's very powerful. He's far more powerful than we are. He's not as powerful as God. And he's not as powerful as the Holy Spirit that lives in you. But if you're squelching the Holy Spirit, you're quenching the Holy Spirit of God, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God, and you're not, not listening to the Holy Spirit of God, then there are some times where the Holy Spirit will pull up and say, okay, I'll be quiet for a while, and that's when you're going to go off, and you're going to end up finding yourself where you don't want to be. And so be careful. You're going to have a hypocritical faith. You're going to have a hateful behavior. And it's going to take you down a hopeless road. Look in Isaiah 31 and verse 1. Woe to them. I, I would say that every time when God says woe, we better listen. I, I mean, this is a serious warning that, that God is giving. And you, you know what woe has the idea of? Don't do this. And that's God saying it, okay? This isn't some passive grandparent or some passive parent who just doesn't want to discipline their child. This is God himself saying, don't do this, okay? And he says, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. What does Egypt represent in the Old, in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, in the Bible? What, is, what does Egypt represent? Anyone know? The world. The world. There, there, we need to get to the point where we realize and understand that, that we're sojourners here. This is not our home. And this world has absolutely nothing to offer us. This world offers hopelessness. It, it offers sadness. It offers grief. It offers stress. It offers anxiety. It offers depression. It offers uh, discouragement. It offers bullying. It offers insecurity. It, you, you name anything like that, and that's of the world because that's of the devil. There's nothing good in the devil. The only thing good comes from God above. And so we need to look to him, and, and, and here we just need to stop thinking that it's the world that needs to help us. Now, here, here's some answers to some Questions that I have sometimes, and I know some probably think I take it too far, okay? But just everybody knows this. We, we have never, since I've been a pastor here, we don't do rummage sales or yard sales or car washes or uh, anything like that. Like for our teens to do something, I don't have a problem doing it within our church, but I just don't want people to think, that our people, our believers, need help from the world to send our kids to camp. I don't think we do. I know we don't. We've never needed the world to do that. God's people take care of God's people. God takes care of God's people. And so I, I don't believe that we need to, I don't think we need to reach out to the world to build our new building. God's people can do that. And, and God will do that through God's people. I, I, I know I'm weird on that, but I just don't, I don't want to ask the world for anything. We, we'll do what we need to do, and we will do this with God's instructions and God's wisdom, and, and we do not need the world's help. That's, so 
Now, we, look, we have, had, we have had people that we've done funerals for that are not a part of our church, probably not a part of any church at all. And, and they have sent money to, to the church. We take that, but we're not asking for anything. And all, all they have done is, is done what, what God has led them to do. And yes, I believe God can leave unsaved people to do things like that. But we're not asking the world for help. And, that, and maybe that helps you with some of my philosophy too of why I just give things away. I just, I have a hard, and I know people, I, I buy my Bibles and stuff, but, you know, we give away Bibles, we've, we've done that so much. How bad can it be giving away God's Word? You know, are we, is God going to break us and let us go broke if we're giving out His Word? I just don't believe that at all. And, and so we just, we do those things, these little books. We could charge people for them, not going to do that. We, you guys give, God uses that. We, we, we use these things to reach out to the lost and, and dying world, and we help believers along the way, and, and God blesses that. And we just do not need the world. And we, we need to, well, we just need to learn to separate ourselves from so much of the world today. But here's one of those characteristics. If you're always going to the world and relying on the world and trusting the world, then woe to those that go down to Egypt for help. And stay on horses and trust in chariots. And, and so here they start looking at the might of the world and they, man, we want some of that, you know. And, you know, I've even, I've even seen churches that have taken a building fund and invested it in things and lost their shorts. And I know of a church that was a, was a I, it's just sad. I, I, it's where I got the idea of having our own sports programs. I went to that church one time. They had a Bible college in the church. They had, in the summer, they had all their little kids signed up for baseball, and they did their own. I mean, how great is that? You, you have saved coaches teaching these kids, like our, like our wrestling program, giving devotions, seeing kids get saved, teaching them to play sports and keep it in the right mindset that it ought to be kept in, and, and enjoy it, and I mean, they had baseball, they had basketball, they had volleyball. I mean, they had it all. I mean, they had all those things. It was a great church and, and, and uh, lost everything. Invested, made some terrible investments with a building fund. And, and we just do not need the world. And even though how powerful the world may look and, and how tempting those things may be, we, we need to understand that, that the world is not going to help us and if you start getting that worldly mindset then you need to back up and say hey the the thermometer my fever is growing and I need to do something to stop the fever and I need to stop this and and then he goes on because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong and so what do we see here we start seeing we start seeing the the world and we see how big and powerful it is and you start looking to the world for your help and your strength instead of looking to God for your help and your strength. We're, we're different. We, 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 are, we are privileged people. When we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we have been adopted into the family of God Almighty, Elohim, the creator of all, the one who holds the world in his hand, 
the one who created the universe and, and all of the galaxies and the, the one that is beyond our recognition, our thoughts and, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways and his power is, is uh, we cannot comprehend his power, we can't comprehend the depth of his love, uh, his grace, his mercy, all of those things and he is our father. He is much greater than this cursed world that, that he created and that sin has cursed. He's much greater than any of that. Oh, how we need to get our thoughts back to the, the power that we have being a child of God Almighty. And oh, how we need to remember that. And, and you stop looking to God for your help and your strength. And then, and, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Saddest testimony I see, and I see it over and over and over, where people turn their backs on their walk with God and, and think that their, their place in society, their 401k, yeah, how's that 401k going for y'all right now? You know? And, and so uh, some of you are going to have to work like me till you're 127. And so then I might try to draw Social Security. So, but, <clears throat> no, but... We, we, uh, I, we start thinking that, that the world has all the answers when it has none. And teens are the same way. You know, you, you guys are, uh, you, you guys have your whole life in front of you, and, and, and you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some choices to be what God wants you to be or, or be conformed more into what the world is wanting you to be. And let me tell you, you guys have more pressure than any of us when it comes to that. And But you got to make the choice. I can't make it for you. I mean, I can help. I mean, if you guys get in a situation where where somebody is trying to pressure you into doing something, you, you can use me all day long. I can't do that because if Pastor Monday found out, he would dye my hair blonde and put a black streak down the middle of it and make me walk backwards for a week. All right, I mean, tell them that. I, I don't care. Let them. Let me be the bad guy. Let me pressure you into doing the right thing, uh, and tell them, hey, you ought to come, you know, and 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 be a positive pressure on those guys instead of letting them always be the negative pressure in your life. I mean, and and we're the same way. You go into work, you have those that that are going to challenge your beliefs. Tom and I had a conversation about that before church tonight. Family members can challenge you along the way. What are you going to do? Are you going to stand for God or are you going to crater? Well, the, the world is your enemy. And yes, we walk in this and we sojourn in this, in, in this world today. And, and, and we're a part of this world in and, and living here, but this isn't our home. <laughs> and how joyful we are to, to know that. And so, last thing, I know I'm a little long, but I apologize. Wes probably already warned you that he hasn't preached in two and a half weeks, so he's probably going to keep you a long time. And, and Eddie, you didn't say that. Thane did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I knew one of you would. All right. So what do we do? What do we do? Isaiah 30, just back, one chapter, verse 18. Let's see if you guys can name these things. There's one point. For every verse, except for 24 and 25, is one, one point. But verse 18, if we're going to have a healthy response and, and get out of this 
worldly mindset and, and quit being deceived, how do we respond? And therefore, will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. What should you do? Wait for him, right? So before you make a decision, before you decide to go do something, then maybe you ought to start asking the Lord, Lord, should I do this? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what I need to be doing? There, wait on the Lord. You park your car in the right place. You, you gripe and you bellyache because you're 25 minutes late getting to work, right? And, and then you, you're thinking that all is a mess, and then you park your car, and, and then you find out God had you to park in that very spot at that very time for one of his little creations, right? We wait on the Lord. you got to make a major decision in your life. Like I said, sometimes you make a decision that you won't see the impact of it for 20 years. But God knows. So we wait on the Lord. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. They shall weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Cry out to God, right? I, I, I mean, I, I think that that we need to, if we start displaying some of these characteristics of hypocritical faith and, and, and hateful behavior and, 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 a, and, and you know you're going down a hopeless road, then, then you need to cry out to God. You're waiting on Him and you cry out to Him. And what does He do? And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore? But thine eyes shall see thy teachers. He'll open your eyes to the truth of his word. We, when we are rebellious and we don't want to see it, then we're not going to get much out of God's word. But when we turn back to him and, and we are waiting on him and we cry out to him, then he'll open our eyes to the truth of God's word. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, he also helps your hearing. For you can hear what his word is saying and you can know how you ought to walk and what you ought to do. Ye shall defile also the covering of thy graven images of silver and the ornament of thy molten images of gold. All those things that you have been worshiping, all those things that the world has told you that is important, Thou shalt cast them away as a menstruous cloth. Thou shalt say unto it, get thee hence. That's repentance. You're going to repent of those things that you were doing and the mindset that you had and you're going to get your heart right and you're going to get your thoughts right and you're going to get rid of that junk that's in your life and start walking in the way that you ought to walk. And yes, there, there are going to be days where you're going to win that, days you don't. What do you do on the days where you don't win that battle? Well, you confess it and get back up and move forward, right? And so, but repent. And then he blesses when we do that. Then shall he give the rain of thy seed that thou shalt sow the ground with all and bread of the increase of the earth. And it shall be fat and plenteous in that day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. We'll be restored to his blessings. We'll reap his blessings and in... Uh, 
uh, verse 23 also, we'll, we'll have plenty in verses 24 and 25. The oxen likewise and the young asses that ear the ground shall eat clean provender, which hath been winnowed with the shovel and with the fan. And there shall be upon every high mountain and upon every high hill rivers and streams of water, waters in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. And then verse 26, moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. Light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wounds. He'll heal you. How good is that? I mean, we turn on God so often. And, and how many times do we catch ourselves being a hypocrite? How many times do we find ourselves being hateful? How many times do we catch ourselves walking down that hopeless road and, and we, we realize and we confess it to God and He restores us right back where we need to be and He heals us of those horrible things that we have done and He helps us and He puts the balm on us and picks us up and dusts us off says, hey, you're one of mine. I love you. And I'm going to help you. And yes, you failed, but you've looked to me, and you've done the right thing. You've looked to me, and through that affliction, you've come back to where you need to be, and you'll be healed. You know, it's kind of like, I, I used this illustration a long time ago, but when, when the kids were small, we went to a little kid's rodeo. And we go every, I think it was every Saturday night, and we're at the rodeo, and, and we had Doc. He, he was dead broke. I mean, great horse, and, and that's the one that we used for the kids to compete on and stuff. And, well, Doc was, was uh, next to a, a little Shetland pony. A Shetland pony I kind of compared to a dachshund, all right? They're just kind of the devil, you know? And... and and Doc was a laid-back horse, but that little Shetland was kind of ornery and had got Doc kind of worked up. And uh, never, never had Doc ever kicked or anything. But Tyler was getting ready to compete, and he walks up just like he always had, and, and he walks up behind Doc and walking up beside him. And I, and I guarantee you Doc thought it was that Shetland pony who had been being stupid, right? And he kicked. And I, I, I saw it from behind, and I thought he kicked Tyler right in the stomach. I mean, it was horrible. It was uh, the worst feeling you could have as a parent, you know. And I heard the whack, you know, and the horse kicked him. And, and fortunately, it hit him in the thigh. And if you know Thunder Thighs Tyler, that's a pretty safe place to kick him. But um, at, the, at the time, I didn't know that. And... The first thing out of his mouth is he screamed out my name. He called out for dad, and he turned and he ran to me. And, you know, I was thinking on this that so often we, we allow the devil to deceive us when we get in a bad situation, whether it be, look, I'm, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just saying so many of you are dealing with grief right now, Okay. So many of you dealt with some major losses in your life. It's uh, the, the, the inflation, the, the stress of the incomes, and, and you know whatever it, whatever it may be, okay? 
you're, you, you can be in some very stressful and some, some uh, period of your time right now that's really challenging. And you know what the devil does is he sits on your shoulder and tells you things that God isn't good, that God doesn't love you, and that God doesn't care about you, or, or that your battle is too big and there's no way that you can ever win this, and so you're going to lose this battle anyway, so you might as well just give up. And I, I, I'm, we've all been there. We, we listen to those voices sometimes, and, and it's easily to be deceived when you're in that situation. But you know what you ought to do instead? is exactly what Tyler did. The first thing that he did is he cried out to his dad and he ran to his dad. I couldn't help him. But you see, God can help you. God can help you with whatever it is that you're going through. And we can be so easily deceived when all we would have to do is at that very moment of our circumstance, Father, help me. I need your help. I'm weak. I'm desperate. You know my. You know where I'm at. You know who I am. You're being honest with yourself. You're being honest with God. You need to tell your family or your, you know, or an accountability partner or somebody that helps you in your daily walk to. Let them know that, hey, I'm struggling with this. And help each other to get where they need to be. But God is always there. And God is always ready to forgive and to restore. Let's let's quit being deceived who all he wants to do is steal, destroy, and kill. Let's live a life that we can know we are forgiven and that we don't have to live in shame and we don't have to live in guilt, but we can live knowing that we've been restored and knowing that God wants to use us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for what you gave us here in the book of Isaiah, how powerful it is. Lord, we truly cannot understand the depths of your love, your mercy, your grace, your compassion. But Lord, it's there. You show us in your word over and over and over. And Father, I thank you. Thank you for so many times that you forgive me and restore me. And Father, I thank you for the same that you've done for everyone sitting in here. Lord, I pray that you will help us this week to walk out of here not beaten, but encouraged, knowing the burden of forgiveness is that the forgiveness has taken the burden. And Father, we can walk out of here being knowing that we're restored and knowing that we are still in the battle. And I pray that you help us, each one of us, to be what it is that you want us to be. Pray you take your word. Heal the the sores. Put the balm upon the places that need to be healed. Strengthen us and guide us and help us to be what it is that you would have us to be. Use us this week, Father, to be what you want us to be and reach to those that need you. 
Father, when we come back, that we can give testimony of your goodness, your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That invitation never closes. You need to see me after service. Call me this week. Happy to help you in any way that I can. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.